Remember me? I'm the one who had your baby's eyes, ladies and gents. Welcome to the Football Ramble. Liverpool are through and Manchester City are back on the horse. It's Thursday, 11th of March. I'm Marcus Speller. I'm Andy Brassel. And I'm Vidushin the Hunter-Archer. Join in. Ging. All right. Do we have to? Well, it's optional. If you Thursday. buy me a four quid bottle of Mets from the bar, then I'm in. Ah, now you're talking. I can't wait for that bar to reopen, Andy. My goodness. You're Is there a bar here? Oh, don't you know? <laughs> why, why do you look like as if you've been sort of missing out, as if you've not been complete with alcohol before doing the show? Uh, I mean, I have. I mean, I'm fine now. Yeah. I just want to need to top up. You it. normally turn up a bit pissed. To be fair. <laughs> <laughs> just, just makes the commute a bit easier. I, was gonna, <laughs> I find a large one makes the show go that bit quicker. Yeah. Uh, well, fair enough. Fair enough. Andy, you're looking radiant, cousin. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. You guys too. Yes, you. your patronising sword. Um, Andy, <laughs> what about uh, the action at the Pushkash Arena in Budapest last night between Liverpool and Leipzig? It was two nil to Liverpool it was end to end at times but Liverpool it was. they were good for their win they missed a few chances did they not Mr Brassel a few a few <laughs> yeah how many chances did they, did they miss over those two legs a, a lot and someone like me watches Leipzig on a regular basis mm-hmm. and knows they're a really good side but has doubts over whether they can properly compose themselves in a Champions League setting mm-hmm. it's as if they were going overboard to confirm all my suspicions Yes. Fish, you were quite put out by Nagelsmann's lack of, what would you say, sort of uh, flair in his outfit. I mean, put out in a sense that... Mm. Gutted, y- maybe. Yeah, I mean... Upset? I, no, because Distraught. I, I, because I, I was part of the mob that ridiculed him, mm-hmm. um, you know, when he rocked up in the latter stages of the Champions League, mm-hmm. you know, with a, a different scale of get-up each time. I thought, OK, this is a man who's... He's dressing for the job he wants, not for the job he has. And I, I've never been of that mind. I know it's something you say to people, but I, I don't agree with that. What I think job are you after I think today? you dress down. Yeah. When you say oh. dressing for the job you want, there was this amazing bit earlier in his career, when it, before Leipzig, where he was being linked with the Bayern post. And he kept on up to games in his red puffer jacket. <laughs> yes. Bayern stash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, well, I am currently building a house uh-huh. in Bavaria. Oh, that is excellent. Did he have like the sponsor on the front? I just all the mission was the badge. Yeah. Oh. I, I think I think it had like sort of a T-Mobile on the back where normally you would have <laughs> Castrol GTX. That's super. But, th- but so the reason I was upset was because I thought mm. that maybe he was dressing down because people had made such a big deal out of it. And, and to be fair, it's been brought up to him a few times in interviews and he's been pissed off because it's not really the point, is it? Let me you wear what I want to wear. You feel responsible, don't you? Well, I don't know, a little bit, yeah. I felt like, you know, Twitter, we're all school bullies on that damn mm-hmm. hell site. So I mm-hmm. thought we'd be responsible, but... Yeah, and I think we're in a different age of sort of coaches' sartorial get-ups now. Whereas mm-hmm. I, th- I think if you go back like five or six years, you're starting to say, wow, there are like, you know, managers with like modern tattoos. You know, yeah, yeah. black, black and greys rather than smudged old sailor stuff. If they're of a certain age, <laughs> I was about to ask you, what's an old-fashioned but, tattoo? But, but, but you're right. But now, we, now we've moved into the age of the sockless manager. Yeah, oh, we have. Yeah, and Nagel's man is very much at the forefront of. That. Do you think maybe like, I tell you who like to go out on nights out without socks on? The Essex boys, I've noticed. It's quite an Essex boy thing. Yeah, right? well, the key thing is that you've got the trouser length and the ankle that you need to work out. Yeah. I, do you know what, actually? I, don't, I, I think if you can pull that look off, I think you'd be okay. I think Scott Parker could do it. Yeah, he I can. Scott Parker could do it. I, it's, it's a look I, only with never... moccasins, not with trainers. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Because he's of a certain about. age. No, I'm talking about yeah. on a night out. I'm not, you, you know. Right. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I thought you know RB Leipzig weren't very good yesterday. <laughs> yeah, for the same, but but the missed of, chances. They were dressed inappropriately. Yeah. Well, we're kind of like riffing off of Andy's point. It mm. did really feel like they were trying to force it. Like Mikelele on the uh, on the left. Like they seemed to be really. Put, I can't remember who the commentator was, but he seemed to be really annoyed that he was cutting in. Was it what Fletcher and Macca? I think yeah, um, Stephen Manaman. Yeah, yeah, he was just like well. Well, he, there he is cutting again, and I was like, "Well, he's doing quite well." Yeah, you know, he's kind of making them, you know, making Liverpool shift a bit. But yeah, I yeah. I, I he doesn't have Roberto of... Carlos behind him like you used to. But I did, I did get the impression that they were just so much more. I mean, I watched them against Spurs on both legs last year, and they obviously because they've lost a few players, but they that kind of confidence mm-hmm. was was severely lacking, and it didn't look like Liverpool feared that they'd be. Even if I reckon, even if Leipzig had scored, Liverpool thought, "Well, I think we'll be probably still be all right." They did look pretty good. I mean, and of course, this is Liverpool still fairly makeshift, knowing what they have Mm. and all the injuries and uh, and whatnot, Andy. But okay, they missed a lot of chances. But ultimately, to to sort of spin that around, they created a lot of chances. They've gone through was it four nil on aggregate? Yes, fairly comfortable in the end of a Champions League knockout. I agree, Marcus. It's actually more comfortable than the scoreline looks as well, and Uh, therefore uh, quite impressive because you know on another day they'll put some of those away. And I think this. This is huge for for Liverpool in their season because it's the only bit of it left, really. Mm. But I I didn't feel that they ever felt that they had that in their minds. You know, mm. they played the game rather than the occasion, yep. which I I, th- I think was really important. Um, maybe that was easy too. It's interesting because you don't think of like RB Leipzig is the most atmospheric place in in, in the world, do you? But Nagelsmann actually said afterwards, I well, felt it- there wasn't enough emotion from the players it was at the Pushkash uh, arena yeah that's right uh, uh, he, he mm-hmm. said he felt that kind of played against them he mm-hmm. felt almost that Anfield would have lifted them a, a little yeah, bit which, right. is, which is interesting mm-hmm. but I, th- I think that the fact that Liverpool was so cool so collected was really really super impressive I think they needed this game they needed this performance and they needed Fabinho back in midfield yeah well Fabinho back in midfield made a huge difference it did Having uh, a bit of more, a bit of thrust in there, Andy, and, and you're a big fan of thrust. I am. I'm big. I'm a big fan of Fabinho as well. Mm-hmm. I remember um, interviewing him for telly once when he was at Monaco, and um, that bit where you're waiting for the the, the camera people to like set up the lights and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff. It takes more time than you would expect, and um, that's through your demands, you know. The <laughs> My particular <laughs> yeah. demands. Yeah. Makeup ladies, you know, they that's they, right. they they they. they just breathe a sigh of relief when you leave the door at the end of the day. Don't it's, it's, that's pretty much it. But um, normally the, the player will sit there looking a bit bored and flicking through their phone. But we actually had a little bit of a conversation. I regaled him with the fact that there was a previous Brazilian footballer in France who played for Toulouse called Fabinho. Oh, yeah. And he had six toes on each feet, on each foot. That's cheating. And, um, <laughs> and, six toes? Yeah, and he's like, really? Is that the case? And he had a little shiver. Yeah, well, you would, wouldn't you? <laughs> Why are you spooking a man before you're interviewing him? <laughs> I like to put my interviewees at ease. Do you want to see something funny? Yeah. <laughs> I think we need to... Did you then ask to see how many toes... <laughs> Yeah, it's quite accusatory, that, isn't it? Oh, yeah. there's someone else by your name. Yeah. And he had six toes. Yeah. What have you got? <laughs> Well, eight on. on each foot, given that performance last night, You perhaps. would say so. And Nat Phillips was uh, was immense, wasn't he, was. he? Had a very, very good game. He got a big old bear hug from from Jurgen Klopp. I think you have to do something quite bad to not get a bear hug from Jurgen I was going to say, yeah. I mean, like, he's Phillips is, is someone who's struggled a bit since he's come in, and yeah. understandably so, because he's 
been promoted a bit too early. I thought that was, yeah, he played well yesterday. I think, I don't, you know, he, he's not someone who's going to make it. Although at the same time, given what we saw of Fabinho yesterday and when we st- what we started to see of Henderson when he was playing back in midfield before he got injured, Again, I'm you know this is massively with the benefit of hindsight, but I do wonder if if Klopp should have taken that plunge a bit earlier, put mm-hmm. more inexperience at the back, knowing that he would have his first choice midfield two in front of them mm-hmm. because Agreed. it it hampered mm-hmm. them so much going forward as well, and that and that void in the middle is the reason I believe that they're in the position they're in. I don't think it's so much to do with being too leaky at the back or you know not being as um, as ruthless up top. I just think they just lost their core through mm. through no real fault of their own but I wondered if if he's looking at it now thinking I'm, no, I'm not doing that again yeah. 100% yeah. I agree with that I mean I, I think I, I feel like I use this example a little bit too often but in 2006-2007 when Michael Essien ended up playing probably half of that season for Chelsea at centre-back mm-hmm. them missing in midfield was the difference between them winning the Premier League and, right. and not mm-hmm. no I know what you mean I think it, a much more successful one would be, you know, Mascherano going back into defence for Barcelona. Mm. But they had plenty to cover in that area. Do you see what I mean? And so when you miss out on that midfield, it. But it's the the thing is though, Vish, you, you, sometimes you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. You know, with what Klopp is trying to use, it's it's very tempting. You know, we've seen him use Henderson back there, but Luke made the point. You know, you lose a lot in midfield when you don't have Henderson. Yeah. So mm. But it is interesting that that Liverpool. Again, their Champions League form is is obviously a little bit different to their league form. And I think, you know, when people talk about Liverpool, it was a while ago in the season that Klopp said, if we can finish top four this season, it will be, you know, that will be an achievement kind of thing. And he said that well before they started losing games. So I think he was almost aware through the injuries and whatnot how difficult this season would be. But Andy, would you say that they are now targeting the Champions League in Absolutely. the in the same way that I don't know we've seen great AC Milan sides do, um, you know, under say Ancelotti or something like that over the years? You know, we've seen this approach, uh, but at the same time, you know, they, they, to finish sort of even like seventh or eighth in the league, you can't be doing that. So you've got to get the balance right. Yeah, but I, I think there's an understanding amongst all coaches that you can't just toss off all other competitions to. To, to to chase one because yeah. the, the the fact is if their form is poor mm. in the Premier League that will actually prejudice their chances of of, of doing well in the Champions League because you can't just pick it up cold mm-hmm. yeah um and I, th- I think the Champions League regenerating their Premier League season will will be a big thing yeah but in general no tossing off I think we can agree um Klopp did say I did quite like this quote about Nat Phillips uh, what a boy he is what a player he is he's an aerial monster and on the floor not bad. <sighs> I mean, that's damn, monster. damn with fate. Right? It was not bad on the floor. That's all. That's all Phillips is going to hear. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Well, of course, uh, PSG they advance as well into into the next round. And I mean, it's quite extraordinary when, when the game finishes one all, and uh, you know it's finished. Um, uh, uh, was it five two on aggregate in yes. the end? And you think to yourself. That was a missed opportunity from Barcelona. I mean, to be to be beaten five two in aggregate, you think to yourself, well, that would be if you didn't watch the game, you'd think that's fairly comprehensive. It was a huge task. They went one nil down. But Andy, Barcelona, they should have got at least two one in at the half time. You know, Messi misses the penalty, and I remember watching that, thinking, 
Oh, it's such a shame that he missed that because PSG, they'd have been jobbying themselves at halftime. <laughs> is that an expression? Is that really an expression? North of the border it is. Yeah, well, you know what? Uh, Kalor Navas got nine out of ten in Le Keep this morning. Yeah. Now, to put into perspective, to get nine out of ten in Le Keep, you normally have to be man of the match and serve everyone the sort of meal that would... Mm-hmm. win MasterChef Australia at the same time and as well. And to get well. 10 out of 10, you need to pledge your allegiance to the French Republic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, th- I think there are, there are something like seven players in the history. Yeah. Uh, Dusan uh, Tadjic uh, being uh, one of them yeah. for that performance for Ajax. Yeah. 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 But, but you're right. They are very, very stingy with their rating. So to get nine out of 10 is quite something. Yeah. I mean, there, there was a degree of denial in the French newspapers because they were like, oh, it's great to show, uh, see uh, Paris Saint-Germain use these um, battling, fighting qualities. Oh, yeah. And by the way, the goalkeeper was man of the match by an absolute mile. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it was a shame, though, because that could have really been quite interesting uh, going into the second half if they were a goal or maybe two up. And they should have been. They had chance after chance and opportunity and, of course, the penalty. Would have put a bit more coal in your Ronald Koeman hype train for the first oh, time in months. Now you're talking, talking to Cole. What about when uh, Messi scored that absolute screamer? Joe Cole said, oh, he's put absolute violence into that. <laughs> Fish, when was the last time you put violence into something? Um, I made a pie at Christmas uh-huh. and the amount of, well, the different kinds of fat I put into it, yeah. I think you could attribute that to violence, violence upon my own arteries. A bit I think. of goose fat in there. A lot of goose fat. Yeah. There was just all kinds of fat. Any kind of fat that would be bad for you, I was uh-huh. putting in that and putting it in this. Damn right you were. Did you call it the fat pie, but like a P-H-A-T pie? Um, no, I could do. Yeah. 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 Some good branding ideas there. Yeah, I just I you want to get Marcus on board. You seem very proud of this. I didn't see it in your Insta stories. Well, you would have done actually. Did you I? would have done if you haven't been paid. If you had better things to do at Christmas, Marcus. <laughs> Priorities need Fine. to be w- um, redrawn in my mind. But that was that goal. So our, our friends at Stadio talk about this thing mm-hmm. they call the angry goal, and that was. I, I think that was a step up from an angry goal. That was a bit like I'm tired of this shit. Yes, goal. That was a kind of I can't believe these mugs are dragging me down. Goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's mm. like a brassle in this room with both of us kind of goal. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> uh, no, you're right. Uh, yeah, I know what you mean. It, yeah, it was like I'm the I'm the daddy. Has it he a... scored a goal like that before? Because I just someone I, I think it might have been Joe Cole yesterday said that it was <laughs> it was reminiscent of a goal that Ronaldo would. Cristiano Ronaldo would score. Mm. Like Ronaldo's and, one against Porto, for example, for Manchester United. Oh, that was a which blitzer, is, yeah. Because yeah. it was so far out. Yeah, it just like kept it, going. Because you, you sort of think to yourself, should the goalkeeper save that? Because he's he's had about five seconds to... Yeah, you know, yeah. to but of course, the, the pace of the, the and all the rest of it yeah. takes it in. It's five seconds of distance done in two seconds. Though, yeah, of course, yeah, of course, of yeah. course. But I think the velocity of it, when when you see Messi, there's not an awful lot of, of swing back in his leg. Because when he hits it, you sort of think, "Oh, he's hit that." And it, but when it, as it flies past the goalkeeper, that's when you see the power, I think. And the goalkeeper sort of dives and is in a bit of a, fl- you know, the goalkeeper looks like he's a bit discombobulated. Yeah, he ragdolls a bit, doesn't he? He yeah. does. He mm. does. And and that's like, you know, that's the goalkeeper who gets nine out of ten in the keep. You know, so that, that, <laughs> well, he took that, that to beat him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. You know, yeah. that's maybe if he'd have like, oh, goal. if he'd have palmed that away, ten out of ten. <laughs> yeah, if he'd have offered forth his walk to deflect <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Apparently, um, uh, old Pochettino's halftime team talk was was rather spicy. According to Marquinhos, he said it was hot. He asked for more engagement with little videos. This is what made the difference. It was hot with little videos. 
Is this like the little videos you show us before the start of the show? Must be. <laughs> Must be. That's why. That, that's how why good got... was Marquinhos, by the way? Oh, he was. Mm. But that's why he's got the nickname Potch Spice. <laughs> I think. Let's try and push that, ladies and gentlemen. Um, uh, and, and speaking of hot and little videos, Ronald Koeman said, "We are out, but we leave with good <laughs> sensations." <laughs> Maybe he got his hands on those little videos, Andy. Possibly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I... What are you suggesting there? I'm Ronald saying Koeman? that a PSG fan rented a hotel room where the Barca squad was staying, and fireworks were set off at 4 a.m. in the hotel room. Uh, Can I just say this is such a Parisian way of disrupting the opposition <laughs> like like normal normal fans just go outside the hotel and let off the fucking fireworks fire up but, the trumpet but no I, I, I'll tell you what I'll, I've, I've got some disruption planned can I have your penthouse suite yep. with bowling <laughs> yeah, alley yeah. and free bar you set off the hotel alarm at 5am which is which is very very irresponsible he, he was taken to a local police station though and Goodness knows what happened there. But uh, my sort of, if I was to disrupt a team, it would be fire up a mariachi band outside the the hotel. Yeah, nice. That, nice. I think that would be going on sort of, you know, Mexico 86 sort of vibes, that kind of thing. I've been watching quite a lot of X-Men recently. I don't oh, know yeah. why. Um, uh-huh. So I might go like all mystique and like uh-huh. maybe dress as a... Like... You'd shoot lasers at them. <laughs> no, no, no. Just like dress as a beautiful woman and like try and seduce one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I don't know what I'd do when the chick <laughs> was up. Si- uh, fair, I'm going to indulge you. How successful do you think you'd be with that? I reckon I'd get far enough. Would you shave that I'd your, be able... your, your, your sort of stubbly beard? Off? No, I wouldn't shave the beard because no. it, it's quite a, quite an effort to grow it back. I'm okay. not, you know, I'm not mad now. I've okay. got my own life to lead. So you're not going but... full in on this? Well, I'm going quite the way in <laughs> right. on it. I, well, I suppose face mask. It would yeah, I wear a face mask. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah COVID. Remember? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, I reckon I'd get far <laughs> enough to to have an influence on something. Don't suggest this is responsible or COVID. <laughs> But I reckon I'd get far enough to maybe, uh-huh. I don't know, like, you know, slash a few of the boots. If I'll, I'll get into the team room, I think, and, and I can work my wares from there, yeah. Well, there we are, ladies and gentlemen. The boot slasher, uh, or otherwise known as Vish. Well, um, yeah, so PSG, they, they um, let's say they march on, but they, they walk on into the next round. And uh, a shame, because it could have been a bit more of a spectacle, but there we are. Um, back in the old, good old Premier League, uh, there was a seven-goal thriller that ended 5-2 uh, to Manchester City. Ha- Ralph Hasenhutl said, I think we played quite well, even though we conceded five goals. He also said, in the end, it's not so interesting if you lose 1-0 or 5-2. Um, this is a game I enjoy more than sitting back for 90 minutes and parking the bus. I sort of get what he means, but is he not playing into Pep's hands there, Andy? Uh, maybe, um, but are, are you going to keep out Manchester City by defending the whole game? Mm-hmm. And you have to look at where Southampton are, are most comfortable. I think this is all a lot easier to say, mm-hmm. having won the game at Sheffield United at the weekend. Oh, yes. There's mm-hmm. a, a massive uh-huh. difference. Well, you're not expected to go and win at Manchester no. City. And I suppose that if you, you get a couple of goals and, and you make it easy, and Pep Guardiola says in the, in the post-match, you know, they, um, they, they made us suffer, then maybe that's all you can hope for at the moment, unless you're Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's Manchester United. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's a, a new change of tack from Hassan Hill. If you make it out that you that it was your intention all along to concede a lot of goals, yeah, didn't lose nine nil, did yeah, we? Well, then, yeah, maybe maybe you can go with that. <laughs> Do you think Hassan Hill's? I, I mean, I don't necessarily mind this so much, but I can see why if you're a Southampton fan, you might be a little bit worried about it. Mm-hmm. But he has a he has a lot of respect for you know Klopp, Guardiola, the kind of high end managers. Do you think that is? admiration through wanting to emulate them or do you think there's an element of being a little bit starstruck by them yeah i, th- I think that's a it's a good question i don't think that's something we've massively seen 
in his career before. Um, but you know, having having said that, I, I agree with Marcus that there is a sense sensation of free hit when you're yeah. playing with Southampton. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they have gone and got results against good teams before. I mean, when they beat Liverpool, Liverpool was still difficult to beat. Mm-hmm. So you know, he, he has done it before. But I, I do wonder if it's almost almost the pudding after after that Sheffield United game because going back to that, if they'd have lost that, they'd have been really worried yeah, yeah. I, I I think and because Southampton won that we can mm-hmm. say oh well they're never really in relegation trouble mm-hmm. but but they might have been yeah had they had they got that so I, mean, I, I, I do wonder if there's just a, a bit of decontraction that is mm-hmm. quite difficult for the coach to actually control there yeah because mm-hmm. they've got what well, they've got Brighton next haven't they so this it could have been a pretty horrendous yeah. you know situation they find themselves in yeah we know Manchester City have got Fulham next because that's all Pep's kept saying in the post-match interview he's he, scared isn't he yeah he was like Fulham you got Fulham next what's that going over the hill <laughs> is it Scott Parker um, it is uh, he was furious that Phil Foden didn't get a penalty when McCarthy looked to have um, fouled him looked to have I mean he fouled him. yeah <laughs> well allegedly innocent until proven guilty I mean guilty <laughs> Guilty, guilty, guilty. <laughs> Innocent until both legs are removed. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. He said, uh, He said for a long time, maybe four or five years, never complain about the referees. You do. But this <laughs> action is incredible. Incredible. It's a slight change from his normal, I'm so happy. It is. Isn't it? He's right, though. How was that not given? That was more obvious than the Areola one. Because, yeah, because, because people are like, oh, you know, if Foden stayed on his feet, if Foden hadn't stayed on his feet, then it would have been given. So, but he did fall over. He just got up. I, do, I, I mean, it, yeah, oh. that's the thing. When, when I, and it stopped him from putting it in the back of the Yes, box. exactly. What more do they want? He said, oh, he stayed on his feet. You're right. He didn't stay on his feet. He Just because he didn't do a. Well, he's still got one of his ankles. <laughs> He it's can like, hop, it's like, it? it's like Warnock, that Yeah. <laughs> well, he didn't break his leg or, you know, kill him or anything. <laughs> All right, okay. Was that the, that's, the, that's the bar, isn't it? Graeme Souness, he was angry, continued his war against referees by claiming VAR must have been getting a coffee when Phil Foden was brought down. I mean... Well, actually, uh, it's I bet he hates coffee, doesn't he? I bet he hates flat whites. I bet he hates the little ones Mocha. in between sizes. The Americano. Yeah. Actually, it's in, a lot. In, impossible to get a coffee at Stockley Park at the moment unless you take your own. So the joke's on you, Graham. Uh, also, it probably takes about 15 minutes. I remember the last time I was <laughs> Say that to his face, Andy. <laughs> socially distanced. I think we both course. know that's not going to happen, even socially distanced. Because you're on different television networks. Oh, yeah. And that's Crossing the only the reason. <laughs> that's the only reason. Yeah, Suey's got away with that, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what. Red, you know, Redknapp only had, only had the bottle against Roy Keane when he was pitch side. Yeah, that's Sunes right. knows that, well, Brassel's at, Scott, at BT, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. It's like WCW versus WWF. Back yeah, in the day. who's going to become, is he going to become Hollywood Andy Brassel? Yeah. <laughs> Crossover. That's what I want to know, ladies and gentlemen. I reckon you could take him, Brass. I reckon he could. Andy, uh, enough of this nonsense. Uh, what you've been talking about on, on the continent, presumably you'll do a, a deeper dive into Paris Saint-Germain. Oh, yeah, there's going to be lots of Champions League fun on today uh, with me, Dotton, and Nicky Bandini this week. So we'll, we'll be going deep into Juventus Ooh. and what happened there, why they fell out against Porto, and what next for Ronaldo and Pirlo? Mugs, absolute mugs. We'll head over to, uh, not you as in Juventus and, and co, uh, head over to the Football Ramble, uh, head over to Football Ramble Presents, uh, ladies and gentlemen. You'll have a lovely time over there. Right, let's have a quick break. Sports 
five years never complained about the referees and the action, but this action is really incredible. Incredible. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> well, Bit General to... Levy. Yeah. That's all I like to hear. Welcome back to the Football Ramble. Hello, Sorry. Go on. All right. Can I do my little... Uh, welcome back to the Football Ramble. Yes, Fish, you were, you were saying? Yeah, very good. Yeah, I can't do it again. Oh, okay, <laughs> I, okay. I got too scared. All right, then. It's time for emails. Just email show at footballramble.com Right now, so Peter on this Hello to Andrew McNeil, who's written in on a very special footballer in his family. My my late grandpa was Ian McNeil, a footballer, manager, Mm. assistant and scout. He even played for Jules' Brighton and Vicious Aberdeen. Here we go. Vicious Aberdeen. (laughs) (laughs) A claim to fame was taking Jimmy Floyd to Leeds back in the 90s. He was assistant manager at Chelsea in the 80s, and Pat Nevin wrote him a lovely obituary for a ch- for the Chelsea website. It included the story of how he used to bet new players that he could beat them in a 50-metre sprint if he got a head start whilst the player drank a cup of water. My grandpa went into the training room and got a cup of boiling water. <laughs> yes! <laughs> he pocketed the cash. As is too familiar now, he was another former footballer. He sadly lost their battle with dementia. Well, thank you very much, Andrew. Mm. That's, a, that's a lovely email. And... I might use your grandpa's tactics to make a bit of cash on the side. Yeah, exactly. We should say, by the way, that he played a number of years at Leicester City uh, and uh, had a managerial career as well, you know, which was quite impressive. So, yeah, excellent email, that. Very good. I'm quite liking this trope of uh, of people who's, you know, related to people in, in football and whatnot. Very enjoyable indeed. Thank you very much, Andrew, uh, for that. Of course, if you have a story to tell like that, do uh, email us, show at footballramble.com. You can tweet us at footballramble. Right, gentlemen, um, I want to talk about uh, Tottenham Hotspur. Jose Mourinho, he wants to treat Daniel Levy. He said he wants to mark, Mourinho said he wants to mark his 1,000th game, that's Mourinho's 1,000th game, with a trophy for Daniel Levy after running Spurs for 20 years. That's Daniel Levy running Spurs for 20 years, of course, not Jose Mourinho. So, although some Spurs fans may feel that that is uh, up in, up in, uh, is, is questionable. But Now he gets to 20 years, does he get to be called General Levy? I hope so. Field Marshal Levy. <laughs> oh, no, I think, no, Mourinho's Field Marshal, isn't he? Let's be honest in this. I suppose. Yeah, well, Mourinho said, the trophies are the salt and pepper of football. It would be nice for him to celebrate my 1,000th official match winning a trophy for Tottenham. Again, who's doing who a favour here? So, so Mourinho, is that Mourinho's quote then? The trophies are the salt and pepper of football. Yeah, right. So he's been eating unseasoned food for a good while now. <laughs> um, that's just probably a bit harsh, but it's funny because um, one of the one of the things around the Levy Mourinho um, relationship, and it was one of the reasons that was put to uh, you know a few journalists who were sniffing around for whether Mourinho was going to go after that defeat to West Ham. Mm-hmm. One of the things that, that was well, I suppose there were two things that were, that were put to them. It was the fact that he still maintains the trust of Harry Kane, which is obviously quite important in that mm-hmm. dressing room. And, the, and secondly, that Levy is infatuated with Mourinho. He is, yeah. Like he sees him as an ally that he never thought he would get, uh-huh. that he never thought he would have, and really sees status in, in Mourinho. And I, I see this and I see those quotes as just 
you know, it's like he, it's like the, uh, Levy's got so, a, paid fifty quid for a cameo video from yeah, Mourinho. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said all he wants to hear. Do you think he's just suckling on Mourinho's teat? I think he's Mourinho's got him under his arm and he's just giving him a little hair ruffle, and that's mm. probably another couple of years in the job. The yeah. thing is, if you are paying. But it's like paying for a daily cameo video from Jose Mourinho. Imagine buying the same cameo video every day for four years. <laughs> That's a lot of money. Can you do the same it message is, yeah. again? I can do a different message. No, no, I'm happy with this one. Uh, it's, it's, it's funny though, isn't it? I mean, you have to take um, it with a pinch of salt and pepper. But when you, when you go back to the Amazon documentary, <laughs> mm-hmm. that's one of the biggest take-homes from it, isn't mm-hmm. it? The fact that, you know, Levy is mm-hmm. absolutely entranced it's like, what are all the questions I always wanted to ask him? You know, it's like that story about um, Morrissey going around to Alan Bennett's house, knocking on the door and going, hello, I have a list of questions for you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> hello, like, Morrissey. <laughs> inviting himself in for a cup of tea and asking like Alan Bennett everything he ever wanted to ask him and then go, thank you, bye, and like leaving afterwards. <laughs> Mind the lady in the van. Um <laughs> My goodness, yeah. I mean, Levy reached his 20-year landmark this week and the Carabao Cup final is due to be Mourinho's 999th game. So it won't be on his 1,000th game. I know, but... yeah, so he's fucked that, hasn't yeah. he? <laughs> <laughs> you mug. He's got like a range of friendly. Friendly, yeah. It's got to be. It's an official friendly. Are we going to put that towards the... <laughs> yeah. oh, Are you geez. suggesting he's the Romario of... Managerial appearances. Not at all. I, I think that's a little all. bit unfair. No, I'm not. I'm suggesting that he needs to adopt a little bit of a Romario tactic to make sure that it is the 1,000th game, Andy. Right. I think you need to uh, double-check that. <laughs> there we are. Um, over at Manchester United, there's a little bit of musical chairs going on. Um, John Murto. How would you pronounce that? Murto? Murto? I wanted to pronounce it Murto. But... I did as well. A <laughs> little bit of uh, Lethal Weapon vibe yeah. about that. But he becomes Manchester United's first ever director of football. Big news. He's joined by Matt Judge, great name, as new director of football negotiations, and Darren Fletcher, former player, of course, as technical director. I was quite intrigued by this, because on Fletcher's appointment, Solskjaer said about Fletcher, of course, former player, had a great career at Manchester United, he said, his DNA is what we want. I thought to myself, what are they, what are they cooking up? What are they conjuring up over there? He's got like the toenails of Peter Schmeichel. And he's got like the, <laughs> I don't know, the hair of, hairs of Roy Keane or something. And he's like, oh, that's all we need. And then we're going to create, it's like Jurassic Park over there. <laughs> yeah, what, what, what they need to get, Marcus, is the Amiens Stadium to create it all. I tell you, don't they? that was one of the, it's the only French league game I've ever been. Andy took me to Amiens once. And uh, do Google image Amiens Stadium because there is a Jurassic Park vibe about it. It's totally unnecessary, those, those big... Um, Sort of, uh, I mean, what are they, Andy? They're, they're almost like sort of, um, how would how would you describe it? Curved grills, yeah, around the around the boundary of the stadium to keep uh, dinosaurs out, presumably, uh, presumably, yeah. or to keep them in. Uh-huh. I tell you what, if Manchester United do a deal with them, like a feeder club, you know. That oh that... wow! Yeah, do you see what I mean? Yeah, that's mad. Oh, it's great! It's amazing! It's well worth a visit. And uh, but if Manchester United, yeah, I mean. Fish, you, you sort of think, you know, because Shalshar, as he said, his DNA is what we want. He was rubbing his hands and sort of licking his lips together. Maybe he's planning to Allegedly, do that breakout reportedly. and he's going to, you know, he's going to get that um, shaving cream thing and put them all in there and then what shaving drive cream off. Thing? Do you know in Jurassic Park when he nicks all the DNA? Oh, yes. Yeah, maybe he's, maybe he's doing that. Maybe he's planning <laughs> to get them all in. Well, I, for one, very much look forward to a 15-metre-tall Darren Fletcher. Yeah. With scaly skin stomping Absolutely. all over the pitch at Amiens. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I'm We're going to little... sacrifice the goat, you say. Get messy in it. You know? 
<laughs> they've had lamb chops. Um, <laughs> uh, the I'm 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 a little bit worried with this because because. Uh, there were a lot of thoughts that after Ferguson, United actually needed uh, a director of football because yeah. there was no one who was going to come in and do all the jobs. At right Ferguson enough. And the way managers, they, they yeah. come and go and that's such a rarity nowadays. Absolutely. You know? And so like John Murtagh, he has you know, done a hell of a lot with the younger players. I think if you, mm-hmm. if you look at not just Rashford, but even players like Brandon Williams coming through, there's, mm-hmm. a, there's a real sense that that conveyor belt is starting, starting up again and a lot of it was his doing. Mm-hmm. There's also the story of him fucking up a meeting with Jude Bellingham um, oh. And it's that kind of thing where I feel like well, it's not like he's turned out to be anything amazing, is it? <laughs> no. Oh, don't please. Um, <laughs> but those things that you do hear about these things, you can't be across. that. That can happen to any club, exactly. No, true. Yeah. But 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 I, I wonder with with the way football is now and the way those mo- meetings are so important right mm-hmm. now. I wondered if maybe a higher profile appointment, maybe an external appointment, would have been better because. That I mean, yeah, I don't want to put too much stock in that story, but mm-hmm. you kind of think that by bringing in someone externally, you bring in their contacts book as well, and that has been a problem at United when it comes to recruitment. Sure, but then you say that, but he's a man in demand. They did well to keep him because reportedly he turned down the opportunity to join Bex and Fizzer into Miami. Which I definitely would have taken in oh, that position. Is that the dictionary definition of a lovely old job? Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> so he turned that down, slagging him off. Come on. Have a bit of respect. I mean, what are they doing? Have over a bit there? of respect for Sergeant. What are they Murto? doing over there? <laughs> it's embarrassing. It's just like I, I remember there, there was this stat when Roy Keane was Sunderland manager, where something like oh, get Keane out of twenty, there. <laughs> something like twenty-three players he signed, he either played with or mm-hmm. played in the same squad as. Um, yeah. And this is like just ask other people, like put an advert out and let people apply. <laughs> Don't just root through your contacts book. Especially Phil Neville is one of the names you're picking out. Yeah. Embarrassing. It is a little bit, but I'm enjoying yeah, Miami, it. Miami, people are going to be looking at you as well. You're going to have to wear shorts. Think about this. He looks okay in shorts. Because we saw him for years in shorts oh, playing football. Oh, I reckon he can definitely I, he can definitely put off the shorts belt and blazer look. He could. He's oh, maybe. maybe actually, is yeah. he going to pull himself off on the beach, Andy? Don't that do time? that again as well. <laughs> Don't jizz on the beach. Don't talk about him jizzing on the beach. <laughs> Uh, Jism or what? Like. What's Jimmy Butler going to think when these people walk in? They're going to force him out of Miami. He's going he's to take one look at Phil Neville and go, you know what? I would have charged this mofo thirty dollars yeah. for a cup of coffee. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I absolutely love it. Oh dear. Right. Well, because Manchester United they're playing AC Milan at Old Trafford. Uh, tonight at five to six. Sadly, Zlatan Ibrahimovic won't be featuring against his former side, of course. Still hiding from LeBron? I'd say so. <laughs> but he may feature in the, the Euros this summer. At 39 years young, he's been tipped for a return to the Sweden national team and reportedly could even play in the upcoming international break. Andy Brassel. I witnessed you talking about this on BT Sport and I thought, get Andy and myself and Vish as well, he can tag along, and to talk about this in the Ramble studio. Andy, tell me this this is true. Oh, I, th- I think it's going to happen. Yes! Uh, the, the talks have been going on for a, a while now, mm-hmm. for well, the, the best part of a year, mm-hmm. ever since he's come back into Europe and people have realised that he's not just a, a figurehead, but actually a serviceable footballer mm-hmm. as, as well. I think from the Milan perspective, you'd be a little bit worried because... Um, he's had a few little nagging injuries this mm-hmm. season. It's part of the reason they brought in Mario Mandzukic. Um, but but what are you going to do? You, c- you can't say no to him. No. So you've just got to let him do it. 
Well, do you, so do you reckon he'll start playing within himself as get close to that time? Is that what you're suggesting? Well, I, I just think it puts his fitness at risk. He's, right. he's already yeah. relatively fragile fitness at, at risk. I mean, I remember reading about um, in his, his last years in the NBA, and we've only had a couple of NBA references in this pod, so it's fine. Uh, Vince Carter, the famous Vince Carter, mm-hmm. uh, how what a palaver it was to get him ready to play, yeah. even if it was like 15 minutes a night by the time he's like, 40, 41. Mm-hmm. It was like a full, like sort of three, four hour business. Now I know Milan are really good at, you know, squeezing a little bit more toothpaste out of the tube. You know, that's what they've been famous for <laughs> over Milan the years. Lab. But I, I, maybe, maybe. Which is what Scholzer was trying to recruit Manchester United. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe that's the thinking. Maybe it's, well, everyone else in the team is really young. So if we've got the whole medical team working on this 39 year old guy for <laughs> yep. six hours a day, yeah, yeah, that will yeah. be fine. Yeah. Do you think, will Milan be willing to share that? Or, or is Latan of a level where he would have his own people helping out, him out with that? Because that, that is, I remember mm. that is, um, I was talking to. Former England physio, quite famous, broke his ankle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but he said when Fabio Capello pulled fast one and um, called up Ledley King, they had to spend basically... Gary Lewin. Gary Lewin, yeah. yeah. They had to spend basically two weeks living at Spurs' training ground to see exactly right. what he did so they could replicate it when they took him on England duty. It's fascinating, all that stuff. Yeah, and a lot of it was people that Ledley had to bring in, but also you know all the stuff he did at the swimming pool, which um, mm-hmm. Spurs coaches dealt with. I wondered what what the situation was with Latan in that regard. If it was his people or more well, Milan's he, people, he he did have his own people looking after him when he went back to Sweden um, right. in this injury break either either side of Christmas. But going forward, I mean, maybe I'm being a little bit pessimistic because one, I tend to think his his, his goals are a bonus anyway. He was brought back to mm-hmm. be. Um, a leader to play a sort of pastoral. He's got a lot of goals. You can't yeah. stress that enough. Oh, totally. It's not but, like but, oh, he's but scored like two in eighteen appearances. He's been brilliant. That's that's the surprise. Yeah, like they really brought him back for this pastoral role with this younger team, which mm-hmm. I, I, is something that people don't really get about Zlatan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the second part of it that makes me feel optimistic: if ever there's a footballer who is going to become part bionic, yeah, it's him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was hoping it was going to be Owen Hargreaves, but I think that ship sailed. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you're right. I think I think. I think you're spot on there, Andy. Um, he, he said this week that he phoned up uh, Rino Gattuso to get a message for his son on his birthday. And he said about Gattuso, I told him, if you don't send it to me, I'll show up in Naples and do it live. I once put Reno upside down in a bin. <laughs> I mean, because when recently, or business. a couple of times recently, Napoli played Juventus, there was a great reliving of the way that Andrea Pirlo used to relentlessly tease. Oh yeah, Gattuso. he says that in his book as well. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? In his autobiography, and you think, no wonder Gattuso looks oh, yeah. so angry all the time. He's he's just the he, butt of every joke. Was it was it Pirlo the one who said that they put all the ugly in Italy in Gattuso? Yeah, it's the kind of yes. thing he would say. Like yeah. he was an absolute piss taker with with Gattuso, and he said that. Um, Gattuso, they would be round the, the, the lunch table, you know, eating, eating whatever served up, and they would, you know, mess around with his food before he got there. And he said, like, he'd go on these, as he described them, fork attacks. And he would just start, <laughs> he would just start waving his fork, going absolutely mad. He said, he described him like as a little Tasmanian devil. And he said, like, there was once or twice, now this could just be him, you know, putting this in the book for a little bit of a nudge, nudge, wink, wink, or whatever. But he said in the book that that resulted in, like, one or two players over the years, like, 
missing games because of these fork attacks. And it was always, oh, they're a bit unwell. Or they're a bit, you know, that, that's what he suggested. I mean, I don't know whether if he's... someone's got a fork hanging out of their arm, I think that suggests they're unwell. No, I, I, no, I know what you mean, but I wonder if he's sort of suggesting that these were maybe a little bit worse. You imagine that, were. seeing the Sky Sports ticker out, brackets, hamstring, brackets, fork. Yeah. <laughs> Kakar is out this week because Rina Gattuso attacked him with a fork. Um, yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, with uh, Ibrahimovic, we spoke about uh, was the, the gig he was doing at um, San Remo with Mihailovic. And he was every bit as good a singer as we thought he, he would be. You, you mentioned this before, Andy, am I right in saying? Oh, I think we've all mentioned it before. We've all mentioned it before. Yeah. Apparently, um, on, on, on his way there, he abandoned his driver uh, on the way to the festival and he hitchhiked on a motorbike. Coachella next year, baby. It's yeah. just unbelievable. It's Pete Donaldson-esque, that is. Well, I mean, uh, I just he's just a cartoon character above Loki, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Who gets he into those kind of hijinks? Scott McTominay said about his time at Manchester United with Ibrahimovic, he said, Ibrahimovic is a tough guy to be around. And I don't know if he means, oh, he's a tough, like a hard man, sort of he's a tough guy to be around, or oh, he's hard work to be around. I reckon, it, I reckon it's twofold. I, I can't imagine that Ibrahimovic would have had much respect for <laughs> McTominay. Like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that to be flippant. I just, I just, I imagine that But then that he talks about this pastoral role that he has at AC Milan, which, again, I can see. But, oh, so, there's a lot of tough love in there. Yeah. So I think different young players would react to it differently. Yeah, yeah. sure. So like, one of the things that was said of, of Ibrahimovic's time in, you know, at Old Trafford was his work with Pogba. Mm-hmm. And he was very good at keeping Pogba in check and, and kind of pushing him and at the same time being like, look, you haven't made it yet. You've done fuck all, really. Is this Roy Keane with Cristiano Ronaldo? A little yeah, bit? a little bit. A little bit like that. Um, but yeah, I also imagine if he just looked at McTominay and thought, he's just Lancaster, he could piss. <laughs> 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 Who let you in? Yeah. yeah, I know what you mean. Manchester United, really. Well, right. Each to their own. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening to the Football Ramble this uh, this fine Thursday. It's been an absolute pleasure. On tomorrow's show, Vish and I are back with Luke Moore. It promises to be an absolute cracker. So there we are. Right then. Say goodbye to Tushanahantaraja. Goodbye. Say goodbye, Andy Brassel. Goodbye. It's goodbye from me. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.